okay, I know, I know I'm not the best at recording. And I can't blame anybody else but myself. I'm the problem. But I'm also the art. I've been using Zencaster to record since the podcast started some three years ago. And it's just so wild to me that they just keep getting better and better because Zencaster is now an all-in-one solution making podcasting so much easier. If you want to do video, they got you. If you want to just stick to the old school audio, that's cool too. They got you. I love Zencaster. It really does allow me to record anywhere that I am at and I'm always moving. Thea can't sit still. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. If you're interested in trying Zencaster, please use the code BEX14 and you can get your voice heard. Bienvenidos, welcome to Pupia Bruja. What's up? I'm Bex Carlos, and uh, I would like to say that the ending of the Venus retrograde made me come out like a beautiful butterfly. Um, but I'm still a sloshy caterpillar in my cocoon. I think the Venus retrograde made me personally aware of a lot of wounds associated with relationships associated with how I show up, associated with things I need to work on. It's interesting because this Venus retrograde that just ended had a lot of parallels to that of about June 2015 to October of 2015. So if you've been going through it, maybe it feels like a part two of everything that happened then. Maybe this episode will be a good listen for you. I chat with Nix Morgia, who you may know as Spiritual Haunt Girl or Haunt Girl Nix. She's been on the show before. She's amazing. She's a friend of the show. And if you aren't familiar with her rebrand, if you haven't been catching up with her, please, I highly suggest if you want to become a member of my Patreon and you need a sign, the last episode we did together is on there. We touch a little bit on it in this conversation, but... The thing that her and I discuss is love magic because I have been a little bit of a snob, for lack of a better term, for a long time. And I would get on my high horse and be like, ugh, love magic. It's like bending someone's force of will. It's ugh, you know, all magic is bending people's force of will or changing the situation that you are in through positive affirmations, through wishful thinking, through magic through prayer, whatever you want to call it. So I don't need to be on my high horse. And also I think that Amares are for the every woman, you know, they are for the women who need to have a man to support them. These expectations of like society or what we have to deal with in relationships, these power dynamics, they exist for a reason. This conversation is also about loving yourself and and the hard reality that it is to be Mexican American and to not be accepted by one group of people and not to be accepted by another group of people. And that is one of the wounds that I've really been digging through, you know, and I'm going to stop talking. Let's jump into the episode and then we will chat at the end. 
I know I'm always just like, I had to press play, but this is what I had to press play because I feel like I could just talk to this girl all night. I'm so excited to reintroduce because if you listen to the back end catalog, you can hear our episode from before, but I feel like now we've come a long way. We've been doing a lot of stuff and respectively, like, I'm just really glad to have you on next because I feel like since the last time we recorded, we've become much closer friends. Thank you again. Yes, I'm excited. I, I like heard your voice and I was automatically like, calmed and soothed. It's funny to me that people feel that way about my voice. I was always that kid that just like talked too much. So I feel like so many people in my immediate circle are just like, shut up, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First of all, I saw that you're doing like a bunch of car shows and stuff. Like, oh my God, love it. The inner chola is definitely, my dad was a big low rider guy. Yes, I love that. I don't go to like events and stuff like that, but I can tell you this, when my dad met my best friend's stepfather, they immediately bonded over cars because there was a, he was driving an Impala and my dad's like, is that a 67? And he's like a 69. And he's like, okay, even to be that close is so impressive. But some of those cars, total beauty. Oh my God. You're like doing your witchy thing right now because my grandpa's car was a 67 Impala. That's how I got into oh, all of this. My grandpa was very into old school cars. Which which was the family member that migrated to the US? My grandparents and my great grandparents on the other side. Like we have like four generations here. So I do tend to bond closer to like Chicano culture. Not to say I can't like get down with like what I would call like more, you know, Mexico, Mexico culture, but I do very much no more just from my grandparents. The reason that I'm mentioning this is because my my dad was born in 52. So I don't know when your grandparents, because I feel like my parents are always so much older than everyone else around me's parents. I think so. I think that they'd be the same age if my grandfather was still alive because my grandfather had my mom at 18 and my mom had me at 17. So he was honestly, a lot of times I feel like he was more my father My mom and I basically grew up together kind of thing. That's how it feels a lot of times when I look back. Did you relate to Gilmore Girls? I've never seen Gilmore Girls. (laughs) (laughs) All my friends tell me about like, okay, friends and Gilmore Girls. Like my friends talk about them and I'm just like, you guys, I've never seen friends, Gilmore Girls. I've also never read a Harry Potter book in my life. Like I just feel ashamed sometimes. You know what? She turned out to be super duper problematic. So it's probably for the best that you skipped Harry Potter. (laughs) I can't say I didn't love it as a kid, but I'm like, eh, you could do without. I always have been like a reader though. Like, but I've always read stuff that probably was way more mature for my age. You were the smut queen. (laughs) I I was reading like V.C. Andrews. I don't know if you know that author, but I was reading her at like 10, Flowers in the Attic. I was like 10 reading her books. I did not see that movie when I was a kid or read that book, but I feel like some of the stuff that I was exposed to as a kid, I was just like, girl, what? Because of that, I'm like, my sexual awakening was visual. (laughs) Me too. Oh my God, me too. Even like if I do like love spells and stuff, like I feel very connected to it, even though like, I don't care, like, I don't care for like, for myself, I don't do a lot of love rituals, but I'm like, very in touch with that visual, like sexualized dominant side. I don't know. It's crazy. But I love smut. I live for it. I love that. I love that. Okay, so that 
brings up a good point because something I wanted to talk to you about was love magic. Honestly, I find myself to be skilled in a lot of different areas, but like love is not always the one. Maybe it's because, you know, I, I really do feel like all witches have their own set of skills. And I'm like, with you and your sprays and just all the different things that you make specifically for love, I'm like, that's something this bitch knows. Yeah, I I really have like grown in that area. And a lot of it, to be honest with you, like I feel like is driven from like my sexual, my growth and like accepting Mm -hmm. that like sexual side of myself. I don't know why it seems to manifest out that I'm really good at those things, but it's weird because it's not really, to be honest with you, I like, I'm not a romantic person, even like if I'm reading stuff, it has to be very dark romance and smut. I'm a very sexual person, but I wouldn't say I'm like into the idea of like Prince Charming coming, to be honest with you. And it's weird because I've been with my husband since I was 17. So I've never had to look for love. I will say as a little girl, though, like the little girl off practical magic, like that was me. I was always like dreaming of my husband. So it's weird. To some degree, I feel like that was a love spell in itself because he just he showed up always even looking back been like, I wanted him so bad. He just showed up. I feel like you can find love in any age. And for some people, it takes getting to know themselves. I think that's amazing that in some ways, like you found this person that's been able to grow and live with you through all of this, because I would say that that's like the truest love is someone who is willing to grow and change along the path. The idea that this perfect person comes and then like everything is like amazing is very misleading. Oh, fuck you. Oh, 100%. I... There were seasons in my marriage where I hated him. Like I just did not like him, but I respect the fact that he let me grow and be the person I wanted to be. And I allowed that for him as well. Otherwise I would have honestly, I feel like I would have been divorced like years ago. And that's the thing with like relationships. Like you have to figure out where the line is where where you're not willing to compromise anymore. You know what? I'm going to be really honest with you too. And I've had this conversation with my husband. I, even to this day, I think that a lot of people get married young and they get married for the wrong reasons or even not even young, but in a, in still an immature state of mind. And they, I feel like they grow And the other person only loves them conditionally for where they were at, but doesn't allow them to grow. And that's why you see a lot of relationships. I mean, I have tons of clients, to be honest with you, that are in affairs or there. I I hide a lot of affairs. Like I'm not, um, but I have understood it from the sense that they're just unhappy and now they're stuck somewhere. And as I was just having this conversation with a friend, as Hispanic women, a lot of women, Um, are stuck and trapped in marriages that are sexless, unfulfilled. Like it's just, I see it so much. And it's, it's sad because we have this idea like, oh, if we've been together for this long in our culture, especially like, oh, we've been together for 25 years. And it's like, okay, but I've seen people that have been together two years, love each other, you know, to the same extent, and maybe even more. The sense of pride sometimes in Mexican marriages where they just like, they can't, end it like they don't know when enough is enough and that makes me really sad for so many people yeah I don't know maybe we as women too have the luxury that we don't need men to like open bank accounts for us and shit so it's like 
what we are willing to tolerate is not what like our mothers or grandmothers or anybody before had to tolerate. Yes. And then it like is like flip side now because now it's like, like I have sons and like now we're at a place where it's like, how do we balance the two like masculine and feminine energy? Because I think a lot of us, especially if we saw those, like, you know, where our fathers were, you know, like a little bit more like for my grandpa was very machista. Like that was him. He was never like that with his with his daughters or his granddaughters. But just seeing it, I think it created very assertive women where I'm like, the fuck you're going to tell me to do that. And then it's, it's just been a whole cycle of trying to find that balance with that. That is such a good point that you make because either your grandfathers or, or sometimes fathers, the relationship that you can have, like, because, oh, you know, this person, this male figure in my life has taught me to be strong is so powerful. And like, that's cool that your your grandfather in a lot of ways, like helped create that environment. That is powerful for like men to advocate to teach their daughters to advocate for themselves. You know what I mean? Like, nobody else is going to do it for us, unfortunately. Yeah. And it was like one of those scenes where I feel like, even though like he taught us on both ends, like he taught us to be assertive. But then it did go back to where it's like, but we saw the way he was treating my grandmother, you know, very jealous, very, she couldn't wear revealing clothing. It was just, it was crazy, some of the shit. But I do always like keep that into consideration. Because I deal heavily with a lot of, I mean, I have a lot of my clients that have to pretend like I am somebody else when I go to their home. Or if they're talking to me on the phone, like my husband can't know that I'm working with a bruja to do an amare, like to heal myself. That makes sense because it is still like hush hush. You know what's funny? Amares, I used to be very critical about. Honestly, I will be honest, a lot of like love magic felt it's like, you know, someone's force of will. And it's interesting that you don't, you haven't seen Harry Potter because there is this (laughs) example of, I guess you would call it like, an Amare of sorts, because she essentially puts this man through like a tunnel vision scenario, we're going to be together. And he basically is like going through this trance and has like a whole ass child, they're together. And then one day he like wakes up and he's just like, what the fuck? And he just like leaves. I never agreed to that. And so like, in some ways, you know, a lot of love magic just comes off so toxic. But I'm like, all magic is about bending other people's will. It is about impacting free will. It is. So it's like to get on a high horse and be like, well, this one's different than this one. It's like, bitch, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Amares are so hard because there does oftentimes if it's, I feel like if it's too forced that you will see things have to fall apart. I mean, that's with all magic, but I, I do feel like I've had to tell people a few times when I didn't want to, like, it's not that. I don't believe the magic will work. It's just, are you willing to sacrifice your time to chase this person to wait for something to happen in 10 years? Or And, and sometimes I even see things like where I had a girl, you know, a year had passed and then she messaged me and said, okay, it just started taking off. And so it just depends on the situation. That's why for me, consults are super important. If I do any candle magic, 100%, like we have to sit down and do a consult where I read your cards And I let you know, like, right there, what the hell we're working with, like, this person doesn't love you. And I always say that to them. I'm like, I'm going to be real with you. This person doesn't love you, we will be forcing them. If the feelings are there, and I see it in the cards, I feel you know, more confident about it. But I think that it's as a bruja, we have to be truthful, you know, as well. So to me, it's like, I've never really worried too much about the 
forcing because I've always told them from the get go, like, hey, they they actually don't love you. We will be forcing them. Do you want to force them? So I'm glad that you are mentioning this because I feel like one, a lot of people don't realize that they should do divination before they do some intense like spell work. But secondly, I do like that a lot of people do have a little bit of a conscience about magic because Berto, you know, Berto, I just came back from being with him in Denver. And that was something we were talking about. He's the one who told me this. So credit to him. Mexican magic, you don't have boundaries. You just do it. If you're a bruja, you just do it. And I like, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm practicing on my own terms. I don't know. I like being able to also be like, I will do this or I won't do that. And I will, you know, like yep. deciding what feels right to me because everyone's practice is different too. It is. Yeah. Even like for myself, there's times where like maybe my cards are like, take the higher road. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like I like fuck this person. I'm going to text them. And I know that's horrible to say, but I do like being able, like you said, being able to choose like I am going to do this or I'm not going to do it. At the end of the day, like we decide this is worth spending the energy on or this isn't. Everyone goes through petty shit. So I'm also just, I try to be like less critical about why people do their magic. Yeah. One thing that I've realized, right, is like my judgment of Gamaris, because I feel like I've gone through this whole moment of decolonizing my practice. To be so judgmental is to really not stand for the every woman. Because I could see and understand why someone like in a pueblo doesn't have a whole lot of resources. They feel like their looks and their like sex appeal have to lock in this man to be set. Like get that bag, girl. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you got to force it because you got to survive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, but I also, one thing I've had to understand, because I feel like you and I have similar personalities. I've had to have years worth of just coming to terms with doing love magic. Because to be honest with you, I was good at it, but it would always kind of like tick me off because I was like you, I'm like, you could do this girl. You could do this. Like, fuck this guy. Like he's not your worth. But then I have to step back and be like, you know what? In this world, there are three things. The most popular candles that will go is love is money and protection. So people want to be loved. They want money and they want to be protected. So it is likely that some people confuse the money and the protection with the love. Or it's like their value on love just might be higher than my value on, you know, love, but my value on money might be too much for their value on love. And then some people, they value more protection. So it's more me seeing like what a person values and trying to respect them there. Because for so long, I was just like, why do you want to do this? Let's do a money candle. Let's do this. And it wasn't until I was like, I don't know their traumas. I don't know their past. I don't know what makes them desire love so much. But there are things in my life that I desire that probably seems stupid to somebody else, you know? That's very true. And I'm honestly like on the just the school of thought at this point where I'm just like, do what makes you happy. If like being in love and Mm -hmm. having this person love you and having their gratification at the end of the day, like is what you need, then do it. Yeah. For me, that's not me. I'm over here probably spending too much traveling, you know, and I'm just like, ah, good for you, though. I'm 
excited for you with traveling because I I'm the same way. I'm like, I'm going to travel. I want to live. Like I said, I don't know. We touched a little bit on this maybe before we started, but like, it's been a really big year for me to understand my identity and who I am and who I am not as a witch. Is it, does that sound crazy? Like who am I not as a bruja? No, I think it is important to separate the two because if not, it comes from a sense of needing power all the time. To me, it feels like social media wants you to have like a niche kind of, and then that becomes the only way people identify you. Um, that's why I've kind of, even though my pages, I mean, my pages got taken down. People can go listen to that on, is it on your Patreon? Yeah. I won't go too into that, but they can go listen if they want. But I think that one, I'm kind of glad that happened because I just feel like I was trapped into a box of what I could do and what I was able to do and that I have to. That is honestly why I even did this car show too. Like I completely stopped doing metaphysical bazaars and events. This was the year that I said I will not do that anymore. And primarily because it would make me feel like my identity was only that. I was only around people doing that, which at the beginning of my journey was necessary. And I appreciate that community, but I didn't want that to only be my only identity. Like that my only identity was the Mexican witch at the pop-up events here in Idaho. So it just, it just was something that I, I needed to move away from. And this car show was like a really good entrance into connecting with more people in my community that needed my help, not just knew everything already. Does, does that kind of make sense? Oh, for sure, dude. And I'm, I'm really glad that you're doing that, that you're now seeking out more events where you can be seen in other communities. Because here's the thing, like going to a car show, not everyone might want a reading or, you know, an esoteric product, but someone might. And that person might have not been able to have found you if you were only in witchy spaces. You know, I think there comes a time where if we're trying to do work, but actually go be in service in the community, we have to go seek community. Yes, yes. And also having to be vulnerable. And I, I really saw that like, because like you said, not a lot of people, it's very weird in our community, like people look at this stuff, and they're like, what in the hell is that? Like, that's the devil. But then there's some people and this is the audience that I showed up for that are curious that they want to know and that they were looking for something like that. So mm -hmm. in a space that's not a whole, cause you know, I go to a witchy place or I go to like horror con and everybody's down. They're like, hell yeah, we love this stuff. But you're going to a car show where it's just very 50, 50. And there had to be a lot of like conversations I had to have with myself that said, you might get weird looks. You might get dirty looks. You might get, you know, the follow Jesus comment or something. You know what I mean? Like, and it's hard cause I'm a Catholic practicing witch, but People don't understand. That's still a concept that just doesn't click. They just see Bruja and they're done. But did you have some really amazing experiences that made it worthwhile? And you were just like, yes, like I have to keep coming back. Yeah, I did. Honestly, I had in a lot of them were younger girls that were just like asking me questions about candles. And I really, really enjoyed that. And then I had a lot of people come up to me. Even one guy, he came up and we like had a whole conversation. I was selling Laura's book as well. So that came in handy. Like I was able to be like, listen, like I can only explain so much, but I want you to read this book and then let me know what you think about it. Like, because this is going to open up. It just feels good when you have those experiences because think of like our journey. Cause I feel like as young, like, well, we're like, 
we're not old, but you know, we're like older adult yeah. Chicana women. I don't think we had that path paved for us. We had to do some weird crap. Like we, I don't know about you, but I was like doing some weird shit that just didn't even align with me, but I was trying so hard to get away from yeah. the religious stuff. And so I didn't have nobody to mentor me. And I feel like I, that is my biggest goal is creating a safe place for young Chicana women to connect with themselves spiritually and find their own path. It doesn't necessarily have to mirror my path, but a path where they can be confident and happy and not feel like they're forced to go into an organized religion that I've been in. And it it, it was not suitable for me, I don't think. Yeah. And being in your teens is fucking tough. Like, I feel like I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm still really going through the process now of having a safe space where I am able to process and deconstruct some of the like stuff. And I'm like, that was fucked up, you know, like, because I'm an adult now. I'm so like far disconnected from those experiences and those people. And it's just like, whoa, life is so weird, you know, but I really would love for the next generation to feel more secure in self and advocate for themselves. So I feel like, yeah, it's amazing that now there's so many different resources. Something you touched on, like having a safe space. Like I know, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but there are these women who do hikes. It's like, we're going to cleanse ourselves. We're going to like meditate. We're going to hike. Because the thing is, is like our ancestors used to be so connected to the land. And I don't know if you feel that way, but I feel very disconnected from the land that I live in. And I'm like, I don't know if it's just, it doesn't feel known to me because when I'm in Mexico, I feel very differently. Me too. Me too. Okay. So it's not, you know, it's maybe it's ancestral familiarity. I don't know, but like something just makes me feel connected. But my mom said something to me the other day. She was just like, la tierra se ve triste. And it's, it's the truth. Like the land and just the way that everything feels around me. I'm like, it just feels so sad. It does. Yeah. I, I feel that like, I, I like to be out and like, Nate, it's funny you say that because I've been like trying to like get my exercise from like being outdoors. And every time I'm outdoors, I do connect more, but not the way I do in Mexico. Like, you know, we're from a little ranchito. And so when you see like the, you know, houses there, they're not like, they don't look like the houses here. And for some weird reason, it gives me comfort. I don't know why. I don't know. It's like a weird feeling because it's like, this is like where my roots are at. I don't know if it's that. I don't know what it is, but something about being just in Mexico and because I haven't gone for five years, we're getting ready to go. It's like every time, like I even like anticipating it right now, like my heart feels fuller. Like I feel like I know like just when I touch down and my feet are on the ground there, like that I'm just going to feel alive. I'm so excited for you. Have you ever had a pajarete? Yes, I have. (laughs) I'm like trying to get to the rancho so I can have a pajarete. Like, and you know how you like, it's like a Mexican mimosa. Like you go drink a pajarete and you're just fucked up the rest of the day. Yes. Okay. If people don't know what a pajarete is, can you explain it to them? Yes. So from what I understand. So it's cow's milk, but you put a little bit of chocolate in there and like some really cheap ass vodka. And where we're from, a lot of like people, I don't know about you, but I see a lot of people like just going to the rancho and they're like borrachos. Like, but it's so weird the culture in Mexico. Like, they're literally just there for the pajarete. They're not even helping or anything. But we go, when we go to that, we go with my husband's side of the family. 
none of his seals ever say anything to to the like borrachos that go. They're just like, whatever. And they've even told him they're like, they're going to be if they want to get drunk, it's whatever, like, we'll give them some cow's milk. And sometimes they'll help a little bit. So it's worth it. But it's milk mixed with liquor. It's like almost like that tequila rose that they I don't know if you ever tried that, but that curdles my stomach. I I think it's too sweet. Yeah, dude. I okay. So they make them with vodka. I I think I've also seen them done with tequila, which makes sense because my family's from tequila. But yeah, do they catch them on fire? When when they make them, I've never seen that. Okay, I don't know if that's done as like a precaution to like kill any potential bacteria. Probably that's how it's supposed to be, and I'm probably why I get sick like the first few days. <laughs> you know, well, we're not accustomed to drinking milk like that anyway. Mm-mm, no, we're also Americans, so like our our tummies. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, like usually one will get me fucked up, and then my stomach is. Uh, but you know what? Every time I go, my American stomach like does me dirty, and I'm like, it, it takes like a few days before I like adjust a little bit, as long as I don't drink the water. And but I do, I will have a fajarete. But I think you're right. I think they're supposed, maybe they're supposed to like put fire to it. I don't know. I've never, they've never. I know for sure that they've never done that for me but maybe they're supposed to Mm, my uncle does because he has a he has a place where they do it because sometimes like they'll do cow milk but they'll they'll also do like chivo so like a goat yes yeah and it really just depends on preference because some people like one and some people like the other but so i don't know if i told you this i think i did i think one time we were joking around about this i was like oh my god like a pajarete almost killed my ex no you didn't tell me this okay i thought we i could have sworn we dm'd about this like forever back like i think it was when it happened so my ex was already very dehydrated like we we had gone to like the fortaleza distillery so we ended up doing close to 20 shots i don't know how we survived that but we did and then, okay, even worse, it was vigilia, so we couldn't have menudo the next day, so that was rough. But we did that, and then the next day, my mom was like, oh, I can't write, where are los pajaretes? So we took him to the pajaretes, and he had one. He was like, okay, I'm down. And imagine how dehydrated he was. And then he had that. It was too much for him. Like, he he ended up getting really sick. We were When we were flying back, his joints and everything were, like, locking up from how dehydrated he was. And I was like, oh, my God. So we spent... <laughs> this is terrible. We spent the whole layover. He had, a like, a smart water, and he had, like, a Powerade. And he was just, like, drinking both. And then when he ran out, when he was done with those, we got him two more. And, like... Oh my God, can you imagine death by pajarete? <laughs> it wasn't at that point that you're like, this relationship isn't going to work. <laughs> he needed to hydrate more. He was like my test subject, right? Because, <laughs> because I got some white friends, you know, and I'm going to have to look out for them and be like, drink yeah. the liquid IV, drink the hydration stuff. Oh my, you know, what's funny. I have to do that too. Yeah. Like before I go, like, and even like when my mother-in-law has gone with us, like her and I are like chugging water. Cause we're like, we're not trying to get like a yeast infection from like dehydration. So sorry. That's the thing though. Like going to Mexico really does, especially cause we're used to living here now. It really does take like a whole readjustment period, even before you go. And once you're there, you know, like you got to just keep up with it. Also that culture shock. And there's that like, I don't know if you get this, but like I come back and I just am like, and I've seen like my husband do it. It's just like this really like overwhelming sadness because the same way that we get 
on the ground and we feel happy and like at home, then coming back makes it feel like we're not at home. And that's sad to me. Yes, there is this almost like my Mexican level depletes, you know, because I guess here, I don't know if you feel this, like, Mm -hmm. sometimes I feel like I have to prove how Mexican I am. Yes. And there I'm just living my Mexican experience. Like I'm going to go drink an agua fresca, maybe later if I can get some elote, I'm going to have that. It's just, I can go do it. Oh my God. Caña. Have you ever had caña? Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with that, but I get exactly what you're saying. When you're over there, it's like, you're not, you just are Mexican and they know. And over here, you're right. I get that a lot. And I don't know if it's because maybe we're from the same region because we're from Jalisco. I don't feel like I'm too light, but I do always feel like I have to, I think I talked about this in the other podcast. If I haven't, you know, you know, my mom remarried a white man. So my siblings, like my sister has green eyes. But the funny thing is the green eyes, I feel like come from actually the Mexican side, not her white dad side. So my thing has, I feel like my whole life, I've had to be like, I'm Mexican, I am Mexican. And now I feel like, because of TikTok and social media, like you seem to see that like, that's a similar experience with all Mexican American people. Like, it's crazy to me. I was thinking of this the other day, like Selena did not speak Spanish. She didn't speak Spanish. Richie Valens, like these big, you know, stars that are considered, you know, a part of the Mexican American experience, neither of them spoke Spanish. Mm -hmm. So it's like the having to prove who you are is just exhausting here. And over there, it's like, they don't give a fuck. Like even my kids, like, you know, they're like my oldest, I would say he's like more like no sable, but they don't fucking care. They're like, you're my blood. You're my family. Like Ben Mijo, like they'll talk to him in Spanish. They don't give a shit. His cousins use like Google Translate before. And to me, that's beautiful because it's like language is not culture at the end of the day. And even for those of us that can speak, but we maybe like feel very when I'm here and I have to speak to somebody in Spanish, my anxiety goes through the roof because I don't want to get made fun of. Does that make sense? Like, yes, I relate. Yeah. But when I'm there, it's like, I don't have no options. I don't have that little voice telling me that I'm going to get made fun of because they don't give a shit. Like your family wants to talk to you. And even people in the ranchos, like you're buying like pepinos and whatever in the plaza they do not give a shit how you pronounce anything um and i feel like i'm more confident so i don't make those mistakes that i make here because you have no other choice every once in a while though i do okay so one time my dad and i we were walking around we were trying to get like the refill because sometimes fun fact in case you didn't know this if you need to get a medicine refilled in mexico and the pharmacies don't have it you can always go to a hospital because the hospital pharmacy is going to be more stocked and as long as you have the prescription, you're golden. But we went and I was talking to the security guard and I was like, excuse me, sir, I wanted to know if it was possible that if we could go in and potentially talk to someone in the pharmacy about getting this refilled because we've gone to all these like pharmacies and like nobody has it. And he was just like, he just started laughing at me and he was just like, tu español está muy bueno, si, pasate. And my dad, you could just hear him behind me just <laughs> burst out laughing and he's like, Yo te entiendo, Rebequita. And I'm like, oh my God, shut up. Dude, I was helping a guy over here, like in the States, like he couldn't translate to the person. And it was one of those moments where I'm like, you know, Spanish, you better fucking. This man asked me what mission I went on. Like he thought I was like a missionary that learned Spanish. I was like, I hate me today. (laughs) I was too embarrassed to be like, nope. 
I didn't do any mission work. This is just my fucked up Spanish. Dude, do you feel like your voice in Spanish sounds more like childish compared to like your English voice? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And a part of me like feels childish. I think that's where the like the anxiety comes from because I don't want to sound childish because I have to, for my husband's like first generation here, but he was born here. So he like tells, I asked him one time, I'm like, do you think in English or Spanish? And he's like, the majority of the time I think in English. So I'm like, okay, so like, so when we go to speak Spanish, like we have to actually think it out. And the thought process is there because we don't want to, you know what I mean? Like we don't want to sound stupid. So we have to overly think about it, which is where the anxiety comes from. And then the voice, the child, I think that's where the childhood voice comes from. Or like an alter ego, because to be honest, I feel like to like blend in, I sound like a feel like I just start using pinchy like every other syllable. I use like a shit ton of slang for one, because I was around it a lot. And then two, because it's the only way I can calm some of my nerves if I'm just like, no mames wey, porque estas haciendo eso. Like it just makes me feel like <laughs> a little bit more in control of how the conversation's gonna go. And then dude, when I'm drunk and like high in Mexico, I like straight up tell my cousins, I'm like, ya no puedo hablar español. So y'all better get the fucking Google Translate out because I'm so fucked up. This ain't gonna work. And thankfully, I have like a few like family members that can like translate or like that have come over here for a little bit. Over there, it's weird. Like they know more like English than we know Spanish. I feel like it's weird. You know what? I want to tell you this crazy story when I was working at a restaurant and it was like in the summer and I was like, estoy bien caliente. Like these guys were laughing so hard. Because you would think caliente, hot, like I had no idea that I was telling everybody I was horny. It's a little bit more complicated when you're not like used to it that you're like, oh, I can't say caliente for like how I feel. I can say if something else is hot, but I can't say I'm hot. I got to be honest because like I, the only reason that my Spanish is like subpar at best, like I spoke it with my parents, but it was my minor in college. Somewhere in like my junior year needed a class in high school and I was like, I'll just do Spanish and I was going to do like level one. But then like, I don't know how, like it got too boring that I was just like, listen, I need to take a test. That year I did Spanish five. I started taking like AP courses my senior year, graduated with honors and then did a little bit more. That's the only reason why I feel like my Spanish got better or else it would be a lot worse. That's the cool thing about like, if we want to reconnect with the language, we can, you know, yeah. because we were fortunate enough to, to learn most of the basics before we were eight. Sometimes I feel like I need to just because certain words I'm like, I feel like I would need to take like a business class in Spanish. I'm like, what is the word for this? What is the word for that? You know, one thing that helped me too, like when I was younger, believe it or not, was like, and I keep telling my husband this with the kids because they're kind of like lagging and I'm like, they'll reconnect like it's in their brain, like everything we could get them to know. And they'll do just like us and they'll reconnect. But a lot of it is one taking them to Mexico, making sure they're connected to their culture, picking up on it, because I feel like even just being around it has helped us to some degree, you know, like for someone like you and I, but then the school part is nice because they teach you like the proper way to like conjugate. I'm a visual learner. So when I see it and then I also hear somebody saying it, it makes it easier for me to like pick up. And then it's almost like the puzzle. It started off as a puzzle with a few pieces, but once you get your kids like back into their culture, 
they're taking these classes and you're actively helping them to utilize it more, it will all, the whole puzzle will come together. That's how I feel with it. And then their spiritual practices are like another puzzle piece that I feel like they'll have to put together themselves on how they reconnect with their land too. And I want to, you know, stress the fact that like you said this earlier, you don't need to speak the language, you know, and I, and I think that that's one of those things that mm-hmm. sometimes we feel we have a like a sense of responsibility to to speak it, but we also like don't have to like we are enough just the way that we are. Yeah, I will say that I do appreciate knowing the language because it has allowed me to like reconnect. Do you read in Spanish? No, I read one book called Metaphysica. And it was super complicated. So no, I do. I do not. Honestly, I can read in Spanish, but it takes a lot of focus. And I got to be honest, like I have trouble focusing on a book already so like I what should take a normal amount I'm just like I gotta really like look at it I have a hard time reading it too but because I'm so visual like I think that you know what helps me is like novellas like I don't know why but like watching novellas which is probably not a good thing because a lot of like the dramatic flair and probably a lot of my slang comes from like watching novellas I like even since as I was a child I watched like the expressions because we're very expressive I feel like as Mexican people like were very expressive Mm -hmm. I would like watch not only how they were saying things but like how they were expressing it facially and I think that helps like when I'm speaking the language as well does that happen for you as well yeah I I will say something I do like about like watching novelas or even just like movies in Spanish is like doing the subtitles because it does help strengthening my ability to read it but also just like the visual aspect of all the expressions and just like the dramatics like it really I don't know it all really helps lock it in my brain better sometimes I do that too where I just have like the subtitles on or whatever but I do need to start reading it because you're right if I read something I already know like I already know the concept but now I'm adding the concept in Spanish so that's not a bad idea either Oh my gosh. Okay. Like I could seriously talk to you forever. You bring so much personality to everything you do. And I hope you realize that. Thank you so much. I appreciate that because I love this community. But like as far as like supporters, supporters, I have like few and I know that you're one of them. So I really appreciate that. And I love your podcast. And I think that you're going to go a lot bigger than you. I think that like young girls are like looking up to you as well. Because even before I even like met you through Instagram, I would literally look up the word bruja on podcasts because I wanted to connect to something like that was me or how do I explain it? Like that was me, but like not something else. Like I want to be called a bruja, but I'm not going to speak in Spanish. So like some of the ones I would look up were bruja, but they were in Spanish and I couldn't understand or I felt like I wasn't going to be able to understand. But yours was like perfect. It was like, it's really is my tia bruja. Like she's a bruja and she's going to talk about things that I can relate to in a language that I am more familiar with. And sometimes, you know, I, I've seen you like cross over and speak in Spanish if you need to. So I just feel like it's very, you're doing basically the same thing as me without realizing it, that there's girls that are going to be looking up bruja and looking for guidance as well. Thank you. I, I really claim and love that energy. Thank you. Nix, this has been such an amazing conversation. Where can people keep up with you? All the stuff you're doing, you know, buy your stuff. Please, where do you want people to find you? At Spiritual Haunt Girl. So that's my Instagram. That's also my TikTok. And then um, I am, you see me a lot more on my personal one because I just feel more comfortable there. But my Haunt Girl Nick, 
I do try to keep everyone updated, like on any other events that come up. I try to be persistent with that. Yes. And I will put all of the links to your stuff in the show notes so people can just click and find you. Thank you again for sharing this space with me, friend. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Nix. Please find all the ways that you can support her, follow her in the show notes. One of the biggest takeaways from this conversation and this Venus retrograde is the importance of not only how we show up in our romantic relationships, our interpersonal relationships, friends, work, all of these other things, but also how we show up for community. I almost finished editing this episode on the third, which is when Venus went direct and I was processing a lot of feelings uh, related to some of the deeper wounds inside of me. Nix and I had chatted about how like how hard it is to be a teenager, but not even how hard it is to be a teenager, but how sometimes some of the wounds that we are processing through in our 30s have to do with like being that young adolescent who is angry and confused and really just screaming for like someone who could have been, you know, that that role model, that person, you know, that we needed when we were younger. And it's very powerful that Nix and myself Although maybe sometimes we don't feel that way, we are role models for like younger brujas, brujis, brujex um, individuals who are trying to gain power in themselves other than like these institutions that have caused potentially a lot of harm within our families or, you know, country, what have you. You know, it starts with healing yourself. And um, (laughs) during this Venus retrograde, I became so aware of how much being in predominantly white spaces, dating predominantly white people, how harmful that's been to me. I feel like when you date people who are white, you have to realize that they navigate sometimes in the world not thinking about their impact on other people, the nuances in their interactions. And it's hard because I try not to take things personally, but I am a person and I just... This Venus retrograde just like really ripped out my heart and stomped on it and made me realize that like you have grown so much, but you still have so much growing to do. I ended up cyber stalking my first grade crush and it was interesting because in one of the photos, him and his family are in very like, fuck yeah, America garb. And I know that it's like a sincerity like USA. USA and being, you know, proud of your country. It's really difficult because, you know, I am American. I am Mexican. I am both. And there is this constant feeling of inadequacy because growing up, you know, I was one of a couple handfuls of like diverse children. And so there was always this spotlight on being different, right? I spoke a different language. I was culturally different. I always say that I felt like an alien growing up because my parents couldn't really prepare me how to navigate this world that they didn't totally understand in the way that I did or were learning together thing, you know? And uh, I had a lot of obstacles to overcome with that. But then on the flip side, I felt a lot of ugliness and ugly feelings associated with like being American and being Mexican and going to Mexico. You know, Nix talks so positively about how her family is so accepting of uh, her children and how the cousins really make the efforts to not have there be this like cultural divide. And I think that's so beautiful. And I wish I would have had that. I wish that my older cousins would have looked out for me and been there for me in the way that I needed. And, you know, another thing that I realized during the the Venus retrograde is like, 
oh, you know, I mean, I guess I had noticed this a while back, but I kind of like was able to formulate words. And it's like, it's not that I didn't like Mexicans. I didn't like my family. Ah, like the light bulb went on. It is really wild to realize that, you know, people that you thought should have looked out for you didn't. There's a lot of healing that I need to do from all sides. And I don't know. I feel like the universe gave me this big sign of like, stop letting white men have power over you. I have this big wound of mistrust. And I think that I always expect for people to disappoint me. And I hate... (laughs) I hate, I'm manifesting it probably, I hate that I am always proved right. And it's funny because in the back catalog, there is an episode with Cassandra Aranda, and she kind of read me for filth based on my star chart. And one of the things that she told me is like, my relationships don't work out because I always put people through a ring of fire and very few make it out the other side. I think to date, one person has made it out the other side. And I realized because I wouldn't put people through tests that I wouldn't expect to be put through as well. And I expect a lot. And, uh, you know, I've come to the realization that I'm just not good at love. I'm glad that there's people like Nyx who are love witches, love brujas. So I have to be okay with just like living my life and having life experiences and hoping that through living my life and talking about my emotions and what I'm going through that that connects with another person. There is a lot of power in verbal medicine. And that is something that I always aim to do with this show. So if you're out there uh, hurting emotionally too, because you're clawing at some of the shadow work that you didn't even know you had to do, we're going to come out the other side better. It just really sucks right now. And it's funny, I uh, all of this started because when I was still seeing that person, I started creating, it's my second class. I actually taught it through Ritual Craft. And if there's enough interest, I think I'll do it again virtually. It's called How to Be a Y2K Witch. And the biggest takeaway is how to transmute some of that energy from like 97 to 2004. And I get it, Y2K should be 2000, but it's a whole era. Rechanneling and repurposing some of that shame and humiliation and just like toxic sludge that we have accumulated in our lives, figuring out a way to remove it because it really isn't beneficial to us anymore. Right now, I am transmuting all of these feelings into something more positive because I can't just be sad. I mean, I'm letting myself be sad because I need to, but I need to turn it into something more productive. And I know that it'll benefit me. It's going to be okay. I'm going to figure it out. You're going to figure it out. Thank you again for listening to this episode. Please support Nyx. She's amazing. And I am excited for the space we're going to hold again soon. Okay. Thanks for listening. Bye.